Morning. It's good to see you all today. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. We continue to walk through the Sermon on the Mount uh, and uh, continue to make sure I'm on here. Uh, continue to look at Jesus' uh, sermon in, in uh, teaching the disciples, teaching the, uh, the people of God, uh, these people who are following him, what they ought to be. As we've walked through this, we've seen in the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus describing uh, a people, a kingdom people, uh, that are blessed or they find their whole satisfaction in the Lord. He goes on and he speaks of us being salt and light, those who are kingdom citizens and that we are influencers in the world. We are those who uh, bring to bear the truth of the word of God in everyday living and in the uh, ways that we live as a society. We are light. We don't hide it. We put it out in front of people. Um, and he goes on and he says, I, I want you to understand something. I didn't come to take away the law. I came to fulfill the law. And he starts pointing to negative things. He said, you've heard that the law, and not necessarily the law, but how the law has been described to you, how it's been said this way. But I say to you. And he's helping us to see that as kingdom citizens, we are to have a changed heart. Everything he talks about uh, from verse 21 forward, he is speaking of how the law penetrates the heart and we are to look into the heart and see who we are and how we are to live. We're to see that anger towards your brother, hating your brother, is murder. He helps us to see how we are to live and how we are to think and how we are to put ourselves forward. He brings together thoughts such as lusting after a woman and the marriage relationship. And then now moves into oaths. To take an oath. Here in verses 33 through 37, uh, Jesus says again, again you have heard that it was said to those of old. Not that it was written, but that it was said. Now, what he's about to say, we can actually find uh, in the text of Scripture. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a conglomeration of a number of thoughts on oath-taking. And it's important that we understand that he is... Uh, uh, helping us to see how we are to speak and how we are to do the things that we say we will do. So I've entitled today's message simply, Do What You Say. Do what you say. We can be pretty flippant about the things that we say. Some people lie or don't speak the truth for various reasons. There's a lot of them, but let me just give you a few. Some, because of the fear of consequences. The fear of consequences. Sometimes we don't speak the truth because we're, we're afraid of what consequences may come with admitting I'm the one who did that. 
Okay? I, 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 I experienced that as a child. You experienced that as a child. How'd that get broke? I don't know. No idea, you know? And we didn't speak the truth. Sometimes we lie or we don't speak the truth in order to make someone look good or feel good or to flatter them. Doesn't this dress look great? I don't have a dress on, obviously. But doesn't this dress look great? And maybe it's every color you can't stand. And the cut is terrible. And it kind of hangs off and does this and stuff. I don't know. And have you ever heard in your own hearing someone say, Oh, no, that's hideous. Maybe you have. But rarely does that happen. Usually, oh, yes, I love that. Where'd you get that? You know? Guys, we just don't ask. We just don't ask. So we'll do it. Sometimes it's because of pride. Sometimes we don't speak the truth because of pride. Someone says, I need some help with this. I can do that. And then you never do it. God is concerned with our truthfulness toward one another. Not merely one another as Christians, but one another as human beings. Unbelievers, believers alike. He's concerned with our truthfulness. He expects His people to be a people of integrity by keeping their word. Why? Because He keeps His word. He keeps His word. God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I want you to know something. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all the nations through you. I'm going to do it through your offspring, particularly the offspring Isaac. And Abraham was doubting that because he didn't have an heir. And God woke him up in the night and said, hey, walk outside. Look up in the sky. He says, you can't count those stars, but as many stars as there are up there are going to be your descendants. Do you all know that that promise has been kept and is continuing to be kept? Because God keeps his word. Even when the circumstances did not look good for Abraham to have offspring, God delivered through his own promise what he would do. Jesus teaching has been teaching uh, to this point toward how the keeping of the law is not so much in the letter but in the heart. Murderers who take a life prove their hatred for their brothers. And likewise, one who hates his brothers proves that he is a murderer in his heart. Oaths relate to what you will do in the future. This is what I'll do. It's related to the courtroom where one takes an oath to tell the truth. 
Many of you have been in a courtroom, maybe as a plaintiff, maybe as a defendant, maybe as a juror, and you've had to take an oath. However, an oath is not limited to the courtroom. The oaths we make and the oaths that we keep and break are illuminating as to the reliability of our integrity. The reliability of our word and the condition of our heart toward Jesus Christ. I want us to think about oaths today much in definition, much how they're twisted, and much what's a reliable response for us as believers as we make commitments day in, day out. How can we faithfully make commitments to do the things we say we will do? I want us to look at three things today. First, I want us to see the truth concerning oaths. The truth concerning oaths. Secondly, I want us to see uh, the twisted truth concerning oaths. What was it that the lawmakers in the Old Testament and forward say about oath-keeping and oath-making? And then lastly, I want us to see a reliable response from Jesus. So first of all, uh, let's look at the truth concerning oaths. Look at verse 33. Again, you have heard it was, that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. The statement is true to Scripture. The Bible is full of teaching regarding uh, uh, to oaths and keeping those oaths. I want us to look a few places. Uh, uh, first of all, I want us to go back to Leviticus chapter 12. In Leviticus chapter 12, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. Leviticus 19, 12. It's written, it says, You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. So what Jesus is referring to in regard to oaths, he's, we see here, it points back to the third commandment. It points back to the third commandment of not taking the Lord's name in vain. In Leviticus 19.12, he says, Don't swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. God is concerned with His name. And if you'll think about it in this way, the words and commitments of God's people reflect on the name and reputation of God. All right? We need to let that sink in a little bit. Because our words matter. James uh, does not say with nothing, be slow to speak. Don't commit too quickly. Don't overcommit. Be slow to speak. This text is helping us to see that the name of God is exalted and, and lifted up 
Uh, the third commandment helps us to say you're to value and honor this name and not use it loosely. But he's also saying it's possible for you and I to profane the name of the Lord by saying, I'm going to do something and then not doing it. Next, I want us to look at Numbers. Uh, we're hanging out in the Old Testament for a little while, okay? Uh, Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 through 2. Numbers chapter 30, verses 1 through 2. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, this is what the Lord has commanded. Uh, chapter 30, verse 2 in Numbers uh, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. You were to do it. That's what he's pointing to. What you say you will do, do. And so we are to be honest in our dealings and we're to be faithful in our commitments that we make. Deuteronomy chapter 23. I did put it in order, however. I just wanted you to see that. I did put it in order of, uh, of where we're going. Uh, Deuteronomy 23, verse 21 says this. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips. For you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. God takes very seriously the things we say we are going to do. The last passage is Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 5, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, uh, verse 4 through 5, says this, When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. And we see the importance of the things that we commit to, the things that we say, the things that we say that we will do. And so it's very important for us to understand that what Jesus is saying there in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 33, you've, you've heard it said, you shall not swear falsely, that's true, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn, that's true. And then he says this, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all. Wait a minute. Didn't he just say if we take an oath to fulfill the oath? And now Jesus is saying don't take an oath at all. Some people twist this and turn it and say, well, you shouldn't do, take an oath in court. But I, I, I want us to see that that doesn't hold water. I want us to notice 
He's saying this because the lawyers, the scribes, the Pharisees, the rulers, the leaders of Israel throughout uh, the Old Testament had developed a, a theology of oaths. What you had to keep, what you didn't have to keep. And he's about to unpack that a little bit. But he, he says this, don't take any at all. So I want us to look at the twisted truth concerning oaths that these religious leaders through the years had taken and twisted so that they could get out of their commitments. Josh talked last week about divorce and marriage. And there was two schools of thought. There was a conservative school and there was a liberal school back in the Old Testament times. Those who were writing uh, interpretations and how to understand uh, the law as it was written. And one, uh, one uh, particular uh, viewpoint said that you could divorce but only on marital unfaithfulness. And the other said you could divorce them if they burnt a roast, okay? If they burnt something, if they burnt a loaf of bread, you could divorce them, okay? All right? Now, husbands, don't be thinking, you know, uh, I, you know what, what, what's going on over here? How is it that you... That's how easy it was for some people. Obviously, Jesus fell on the conservative side of things, of the people who said, this is the only means, only way. But it's not required. It's the only way. That you can scripturally divorce your wife. They had this kind of thinking about, okay, how do we fulfill these laws? How do we think about oath taking? As I said, and I want to uh, clarify this, uh, Jesus was not saying, don't take an oath. You've probably, you probably know somebody right off the top of your head that, that does not believe in going to a law, court of law, putting their hand on a Bible, and swearing an oath that they will tell the truth. And that what they say will be truthful. Uh, that's not what Jesus is saying here. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself was under oath during his trial. Uh, they, were, they brought in false witnesses. And they were uh, bringing false testimony against Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verses 63 through 64, we see that they were uh, testifying. And the high priest said, aren't you going to make a reply? And he, it says in verse 63, Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you. Let me uh, retranslate that. I put you under oath. By the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. It was only under oath that Jesus spoke. It was only under oath that he spoke to these people. And it says right here, he spoke and he said, you have said so. In other words, I agree with what you said. I am the Christ. And he said, let me go one step further and let me say this. And he says... But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He said it under oath. He's truth speaking here. And so I want us to understand that Jesus was not saying you can't take an oath. Paul took an oath, a vow. And it says he shaved his head. Uh, so we see oaths being taken in the New Testament as well. Jesus is not saying make no commitments. 
or don't testify to the truth. He's saying don't make promises you are not willing to keep. Legan Duncan tells of a man who called into a radio program. It's one of these radio programs you call into, and they, it's a financial advisor. I can't remember the name of the guy. Somebody over in Mississippi, I think. And uh, he calls in, and he tells the host, the caller tells the host, he says, I, I want you to know something. Uh, I, 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 uh, I co-signed with my cousin for him to buy a car. My cousin got behind on his payments, skipped town, and now the bank wants me to pay. The host asked, what's the problem? Caller, I want to get the car and give it back to the bank, but they don't want the car. They want the money. Host, that is a problem. Caller, I don't have the money. Host, you shouldn't have signed it. Caller, well, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> God takes very seriously the commitments that we make, uh, the promises that we make to one another, uh, very seriously the promises we make to debtors, creditors, so forth. And so it's very important for us to see what Jesus is saying. Listen, I say to you, do not take an oath at all. And then he breaks into something else. He says, either by heaven, or for it's the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Jesus is moving on down the line, and he says, don't swear by anything. Don't make an oath by anything. Don't swear by the earth. Don't swear by heaven. We, we, we do this often, you know. You ever somebody say, Gina and I were, <coughs> excuse me, talking about this on the way to the car, on the way to the car, on the way uh, in this morning. And uh, uh, you ever had somebody say, you know, I swear on my mother's grave. And it's kind of like, Dude, she's not dead. What are you wishing on your mom here? You know? Um, and, and why would you do that anyway? Or you have somebody, they're telling you a story, and they're going at it, and they're letting you know, and they're saying all these things, and they say, I swear on a stack of Bibles. Like, one Bible's not enough, number one. Okay? Those kind of things ought to bring into doubt the veracity of what they're saying. Because one of the things Jesus is driving to is you don't have to add anything to the truth. And so as we look at this, he's, he's saying everything is God's. See what he said? Don't take an oath at all, either by heaven or earth or Jerusalem or your own head. Why? It's all God's. People will say, well, I, you know, I, I'll do this. I swear to God. They'll say that. And he's saying, if you swear by heaven, guess who owns heaven? 
Guess who owns earth? Guess who owns everything? All of these things are his. Second, I want us to see this. When, going back to first. To make an oath is to make it to God. Always. You are always making an oath to God. Second, by swearing to something other than God, this is part of how the law got twisted. They taught that you are less bound to the oath. In other words... They had a system or theology of oaths. Because I swore on something other than God, I can release myself from this obligation or from this oath. I can turn myself loose from it. Well, I didn't swear to God, so I can do it this way. They would also come back with, you know, if I'd sworn by God, I'd keep it. But since I didn't, and I only swore by earth or swore by my head. You know, it's a pretty good little object there, right? Then I'm not obligated. And we do that kind of stuff all the time. Find our waves, ways to wave in and out of doing what we say or not doing what we say. Back in the 90s, a movie came out. I always kind of liked the movie, the TBS version, that is. And uh, fried green tomatoes. You know, in, in this, the main character, Edgy Threadgood, along with Big George, uh, they are accused of murdering a sheriff out of Georgia. That sheriff was looking for the husband of Iggy's best friend. And uh, they never could find him. But finally they found his truck and they ended, convicting, ended up convicting or charging Big George and Iggy with the crime. Well, they're in court and Iggy is very much against religion. She doesn't care anything about the, the church and stuff like that. Has a lot of terrible things to say about him. But Iggy is there in court, and the Reverend uh, Herbert, what's his last name? I wrote it down here, Scroggins, comes in and testifies. And he walks in, and he's got a book in his hand, and he sits down. And they ask him, uh, will you place your hand on it? He said, I brought my own Bible. He said, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, uh, nothing but the truth? I do. And he testified that Edgy Threadgood nor Big George could have committed this murder because they were at the revival. He had it written in his Bible. They were at the revival that night. And every night, three days and three nights. So they couldn't. Well, the judge heard that testimony and he ended up just dismissing it. And after it was all over, she said, I can't, Edgy Threadgood said, I can't believe 
he swore on the Bible. He said, well, if the judge would have looked real close, she would have seen, he would have seen that that was a copy of Herman Melville's Moby Dick. The movie and writers kind of justified him not telling the truth by him not actually swearing on the Bible. That's why Jesus is using these things. These are a downgrade from swearing to God in their minds. But Jesus says something different. He says, don't take an oath at all. Don't take an oath by your head. Sinclair Ferguson points out two things Jesus is pointing to here. And I think he nails it. One is, is their utter hypocrisy. They are being hypocrites. Heaven is God's throne. Ferguson writes, earth is his footstool. Jerusalem, his city. And he numbers the hair of our heads and chooses their color. That being said, no promise can ever be made, no word ever spoken without it being done in the presence of God. Ever. Second, he writes, it is deep-seated dishonesty. What masquerades as theology is rank untruth. To swear by these things is to give the appearance of serious commitment. It is to suggest that one's word is one's bond when all the time behind the sign of integrity one's heart is full of duplicity. We need to always remember the words we say, the commitments we make, The promises that we make, God intends for us to keep them day in and day out. Otherwise, what it puts forward is a heart that is divided. That is one that does not have integrity. It puts forth duplicit thinking. Even James says in the New Testament, let your yes be yes and your no, no. We need to see that Jesus is helping us to see that the kingdom citizens of God, those who are citizens of the kingdom of God, are not divided in their heart. They're not divided in truth. They're not divided in how they present that truth and how they live their lives. We're not divided in living like the world and like a Christian. We are Citizens of the kingdom of God. We are those called by God. We are those chosen by God. We are those set apart by God to live in distinction from the world around us. So he calls us to a deep and beautiful honesty. Jesus closes things up with this. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Anything more than this comes from evil. Let your yes be yes. Why? You don't need to swear to anything because you're always in the presence of God. Anybody else got that? You don't need to swear to anything else. You don't need to swear by anything. You don't need to swear by God. You're always in His presence. God's holding you to your word 
that you say. And when we don't keep our word, we sin. Let your yes be yes. Let what you say simply be yes or no. I can't do that. I can do that. And then go do it. God is always a witness to our commitments and our testimony. Let me just think about this for a moment with you. In thinking about this, as I've been studying and I've been reading, one thing that it does that reveals how many times I overcommit myself. How often I say I'll do something and I don't. How often I say I'll do something and I forget. Is this penetrating anyone else or is it just my heart that's dark and fallen like that? As I looked through this, I just really realized this is one of the reasons God calls us to humility. To be humble. To recognize our limitations. And the expectations that we put on ourselves to shine. Not for Christ, but for ourselves. So that people will think, Look how good he is. We should learn humility and to speak humbly. Why? Because God is a witness to everything we say and every commitment that we make. It also, in that same line, and we should speak humbly, we should Think humbly. And we should be aware of the pride that exists in our own heart. That would call us to the necessity of committing ourselves to much more than we can do. Apart from the living God. Jesus said, you don't have to swear. You're in relationship with God. Isn't that great? I mean, can you even fathom that? Don't you, doesn't that ever once in a while just kind of cause your brain to freeze up? Kind of like a video buffering, you know, your brain just locks up. That I am in relationship with the living God. And that relationship is so Near that he knows everything I say and everything I commit to. And as I draw near to him, I'm careful about what I say and what I commit to. And what promises I make. So that I will walk rightly as a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what he calls us to.
salt, light, shine. But let your word stand true. Let your word be trusted. Not only among those who are in the church, but also those outside the church. Hey, if you're an unbeliever in here, let your word be trusted. It'll go well for you. But if you're an unbeliever, and you know you're an unbeliever, come to Christ. Come to Jesus Christ who loves you and longs to make you a citizen of the kingdom of God so that you will walk in ways that reflect the glory of God's grace. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, uh, we can be very relaxed in the things that we say and commit to. Lord, even when we say, I'll pray for you, and we don't, you know these words. You know these commitments. And I pray, God, that you would convict our hearts, Lord, where we find that we fail in this way. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see your promise to save us, to redeem us, to make us your very own, and that you have kept it. Father, help us to see that and know that is how you want us to live. Father, we thank you for the salvation we know. And I thank you for these believers, the faithfulness, Lord, that I see them walk by and live by. I thank you, Lord, for parents who are raising their kids up to speak the truth, no matter what it costs. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to grow in us a passion, a great desire to be obedient citizens of the kingdom of God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.